Hi guys, hope everyone's well and welcome back to the Improvement Podcast. So in this episode I'm going to dive into another Q&A. So I, I believe two episodes ago I did dive into a Q&A prior, but I had some leftover questions that I didn't get the chance to answer, so I thought I'd create another episode going over them. So first of all, the first question is, when someone wants to tone their body, what are they actually, how do they go about doing so, what basically achieves having a, like a toned physique, a toned look and the answer to this question is just basically building tissue, building muscle tissue and losing weight. So when it comes to what contributes towards being toned, it's just having more muscle. It's ultimately going to make you look more shaped, it'll make you look cleaner, it'll make you look like you've got more definition. Like someone who has a good amount of muscle in their frame is going to look leaner than someone with not a lot of muscle even if they've got the same body fat percentage. So yeah, just simply getting getting more muscle uh, on your frame and then getting leaner. And of course, when going about this, if let's say you've not trained before, then you can definitely can achieve that just sitting at maintenance, not purposely dieting, not purposely bulking, just literally maintaining your body weight and getting into training, trying to have an appropriate amount of protein. However, if you are more advanced in your training, if you've been training for a good while, then it might be a better idea going into purposeful dieting phases and gaining phases and repeating that process just because when you set up maintenance, you somewhat maintain your physique. You're not in the best position to build muscle. You're not in the best position to lose body fat. So that's why you ideally want to dedicate yourself to one phase or another accordingly, just so you ensure you're not you're not spinning your wheels. You're actually going to be progressing during that period uh, because you obviously don't want to waste your time. So yeah, hope that helped. Uh, whoever asked the question, they had like a follow up question. And it was see if you are in the position where you want to kind of tone your body. Would it be beneficial to have a high protein intake? And in terms of what else they asked is obviously what type of training would be best. And this I've kind of covered just in that question I just answered there pretty much. But if let's say regardless of if your goals to build muscle, get leaner, I'd say like having a relatively high protein intake is going to be beneficial for many reasons. If let's say you want to get leaner, having high protein intake will ensure you retain muscle tissue, it will ensure you minimise hunger, you burn more calories consuming foods with high protein than let's say carbohydrates and fats, the other food groups. So there's never really a downside for having a high protein intake. The only caveat to that is if your protein intake so high that means you're not getting enough carbohydrates and enough fats, then that is going to be detrimental. But most people I don't think will be in that range, even if they consciously always try to get a high protein intake in, so I wouldn't worry about that. But a good kind of a good amount to aim for when it comes to your protein intake is having around about two grams per kilogram of body weight. That'll get you just above kind of the recommendation and just ensure you've definitely got enough per meal. And you've definitely got enough a day. And then if you set that goal for yourself at the start of a gaining phase, that's going to take into account if, let's say, you are building muscle tissue during that period so you don't need to consistently like adjust your protein goal and adjust the amount of, kind of let's say, chicken you're eating, that sort of thing. So, yeah, two grams per kilogram and keeping that pretty static. Obviously, if someone's, let's say, pretty overweight, let's say they're carrying a lot of excess body fat, then they might want to consider not quite having two grams per kilogram of body weight because if let's say someone's 
let's say they are 140 kilos, then that's not all going to be muscle tissue. So their protein requirements aren't going to be aren't going to be double that, aren't going to require 280 grams of protein a day to maintain muscle and build muscle. So they could get away with just kind of roughly estimating how much kind of muscle muscle they have. So you could just fire yourself on like the higher end, like I said, for its hunger benefits, for its benefits in terms of burning more calories and helping you build muscle tissue. So just maybe 200 grams or something for someone in that boat. And again, it might be a bit over than what they need, but there's little downside of doing so. And they're probably going to be able to diet on quite high calories just due to the nature of their current body weight. So I don't think that's anything to stress about. And in terms of obviously if you're if you're in a calorie surplus, then the protein requirements stay pretty similar. You don't quite need as much. And something to consider as well is you'll also get like indirect protein sources. So indirect protein sources are things like uh, like things from like big like protein from bagels, rice, oats, ones that aren't whole protein sources that don't contain all the amino acids we need to kind of build muscle to fully spike muscle protein synthesis and have all the essential amino acids to go about the muscle building process. And when it comes to like if this matters, if you're not getting those whole proteins, I used to think it does matter an awful lot and you definitely need to have X amount from let's say chicken, etc. If you want to maybe maximise things, I'd still be on the safe side and do so. But I have listened to quite a few podcasts and listened to quite credible individuals in the industry talk about the fact that when studies kind of have a look at the effects of maybe getting protein from tree sources, uh, things like, I think it was rice in a study in comparison to like whey, the outcome was pretty similar in terms of the amount of muscle gained. So you might not need to worry about it, but if you want to be on the safe side, just ensure with each meal you're getting around about to, like to, you're getting around about 20 grams of at least protein from like a whole food source, like a chicken, eggs, mince, something like that, or whey protein. And I think that's going to put you in a good spot. And yeah, when you're when you're obviously in a gaining phase as well, you're going to get more of those other protein sources, which will add to your protein. So you might want to get a wee bit lower, just because see if you're see if you're sitting at like two hundred grams of protein plus, then you have all the other protein sources from the other food. Then your appetite might dwindle, so that could be a place to kind of lower your protein intake. And in terms of what well, uh, like training is best to go for if your goal is to tone your body. So, like I kind of said, it's just about kind of building muscle tissue and then having a low enough body fat to look toned. So it's going to be kind of weight training. And usually for most individuals, I'd I'd uh, recommend weight training if their goal is to is to look better. And I'd recommend kind of maxing that out. And the reason being is. If let's say you want to look better, your your time's better spent lifting weights than it is let's say being being on the treadmill or being on a cross train or any other sort of cardio equipment or just doing a ton of steps because you're going to get more bang for your buck from it. When you build more muscle tissue, like I said, it'll contribute towards you looking better, but also you burn more calories the more muscle tissue you have. So typically 99% of the time, unless enjoyment is a deciding factor, I'd recommend people kind of focus more so on weight training if their goal is fat loss. So 
Next question is what exercise do I see butchered the most in the gym? Quite a tricky one. There's quite a few that people people can butcher without putting people down. Uh, it would maybe be just like a a lat pull down. I think a lot of people have a like excessive torso momentum. They don't kind of they don't know where to kind of pull the attachment and to bias what they're trying to train. If that makes sense. Like, uh, back as a whole is like a really complex movement, or not movement, sorry, a really complex body part to train, so it would probably be that, to be honest. And maybe also lateral raises, because just due to the nature of lateral raises, they're really easy at the bottom, really hard at the top. Typically, when an exercise is like that, you are more prone to cheat on the exercise or to use momentum to make up for where it's hard and where it's easy and to make it a bit easier to kind of complete each rep so probably a lateral raise so if you're doing a lateral raise make sure when you're performing it to target your side delts you keep your palms facing down you don't allow them to lift up you keep your chest somewhat down or not down just kind of you keep your core tight and you don't flare your rib cage you don't flare your chest when you're performing it which can shift that load onto your front delts and as well as that you're driving out and forward slightly that's the goal and when we're performing it we don't want any bend in the elbow joint and typically doing any sort of movement if like a if moving let's say a joint doesn't contribute towards kind of training that desired body part then you shouldn't move it another example is if you're doing lateral raise what we're concerned about is what's happening at the shoulder joint so there's no kind of purpose of having any bend in your knees and extension in your knees or basically kind of changing what's happening with your legs or changing what's happening in regards to your chest etc you should keep it relatively static so next question is what podcasts do I listen to myself so I listen to quite a lot of podcasts in my spare time uh, one of the or a few of them being J Free University which is one more orientated around bodybuilding the Revive Stronger podcast Free DMJ podcast uh, what else do I listen to? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Of, I've not kind of took notes for the podcast. I'm just kind of like, just rambling it off the top of my head. Uh, Pro Coach, they have a podcast as well. Uh, I believe that's kind of all the main ones I listen to. The Renaissance Periodization podcast, and just pretty much, they're pretty much the main ones. Uh, Prescript podcast as well. Uh, I listen to quite a lot in my spare time, like I said, so it's a great way to kind of get more knowledge and while you're on the go, eating meals, etc. So yeah, there are a few of my favourites off the top of my head. In terms of the next question, so I'm going to touch on what warm-up routine you should potentially do pre-workout. So when we're thinking about what the role is of warming up before a session, it is basically when I'm thinking about what to do to a warm-up, it is we're wanting to just get our body temperature up, get some blood in that target musculature that we're going to be using. Uh, so just simply warming up the body as the name suggests, but also that it's a time you can not just warm up the body, but do so in a strategic manner. So when you're warming up, you're also improving things like your mobility uh, and your ability to maybe stabilize certain muscles. And what I mean by that is instead of just warming up for legs just going on a treadmill or stairmaster for five minutes i think that time's much better spent using it to maybe do some dynamic stretching to 
do some maybe walking lunges and uh, like I do this movement where like I balance on one leg and then like a single leg kind of RDL if that makes sense. That's kind of the easiest way to describe it on video. Like if we if we use warm ups and we also kind of achieve something apart from warming up our body, then it's going to be a more more efficient use of our time and having like greater stability having greater mobility and being able to kind of balance better in different ranges of motion, in my opinion, is going to prevent injury and also allow you to get more out of your lifts. The reason being is like if we're more stable, we can produce more force. So if we can work on our stability while getting our heart rate up, while getting our body temperature up, then that's that's going to be a win in my opinion. That's going to be a better use of our time. And also if we can improve our mobility during warm-ups, uh, areas like we'll, we'll stick to legs just to just to stay stay in the same kind of topic so when it comes to legs for example if you can improve your mobility so that you can get better range of motion when it comes to performing a squat variation uh, then that's going to allow you to take your quad for a larger range of motion it's going to allow you to get more bend in your knee and it's going to allow you to maybe get your knee further over your toe which will ultimately allow you to target your quad more effectively leading to better results when it comes to your training so yeah typically I recommend even if like your your warm up doesn't need to be kind of the most optimal thing ever you don't like need to do a certain thing but just use your initiative with it like but what I'd say is you could probably do better than just walking on a treadmill and then jumping on the first piece of kit like if you might as well use that time to your advantage and kind of do something that's going to actually be a bit more productive and nobody can like when I'm when I'm getting to the gym, like I can I can't be bothered messing about warming up for 10-15 minutes, mincing about on the floor and doing all these certain exercises. So what I typically do is, depending on what session it is, I'll warm up in between my sets. So for example, when I'm training legs, I start off with calves. So I'll basically do some dynamic stretching, some kind of mobility work you could say, and some foam rolling in between my warm-ups and more working sets when it comes to calves. And same when I'm on like my second and sometimes third movement, just because it's not going to take away from my ability to perform, and it's going to allow me to just save time. Because like like if you've got a session that's two hours, you're focused on that, you're thinking about, it, you're thinking about the kind of the lifts you want to perform and the maybe numbers you want to hit. You don't want to kind of spend that time mincing around beforehand. So I like to do it in between my working sets and in between my warm ups for my like first few movements. So next up, we have the next question on if you're training five times a week and your goal is to bring up more so your lower body, what, sh- what split, this guy's asking basically what split should he do? Should he do an upper lower rest, push pull legs, rest split, or upper lower, upper rest, and upper lower? Basically, should he do an upper lower split or an upper lower push pull legs split? if he wants to bring up primarily his lower body. So obviously something to consider and to get out of the way is enjoyment. So if let's say you you love one kind of split more than the other, then you could consider doing that, doing the split you enjoy more because adherence is something massively important. And if you absolutely love your training, if you're buzzing to get to the gym every day and kind of, and train then that's going to make a massive difference in your effort and your overall consistency over the long term and your ability to get results so that's something to consider which one do you potentially fancy best 
something important to realize is when it's when it comes to kind of training splits a training split is just a way of getting volume in so there's nothing special about upper lower push pull legs a bro split any any training split obviously it, you can maybe consider the finer details and doing so in a way to get the most results possible but your training splits just a way of getting getting volume in for the week what i mean by that is it might not matter like see if you're doing a upper lower split or push pull leg split what matters is how much how much sets have you got for your pulling musculature because if the number of sets is equated during let's say an upper lower split and a push pull leg split for maybe your back then you're going to get maybe similar results for your back i hope that makes sense so basically like what matters most is how much kind of volume we're doing throughout the week and a split is just a effective and a convenient way of getting that amount of volume in in a way you can recover in between your sessions what i mean by that is obviously we don't want to train upper every day or we don't want to train body parts back to back we want to space them out relatively even ideally but yeah that's all a split kind of does so once you realize that then you become less attached to doing a certain split etc however <clears throat> in terms of what i'd recommend so if you're wanting to bring up your lower body then i'd maybe consider doing a maybe well obviously on paper if you're doing or sorry the question was actually upper body. They want to bring up their upper body. The same applies in regards to what I've just answered. Uh, but <clears throat> obviously what you what you can consider as well is like if you are doing push-pull legs and then upper-lower, what that basically means is you've got more attention for your smaller body parts. What I mean by that is if, let's say, you are doing push-and-pull, at the end of your session, you can do, you can dedicate a bit more time towards arm work, can dedicate a bit more time towards maybe side delt work for push and rear delt work for pull and doing things like calves and abs on legs, obviously, but that obviously the leg session is going to remain pretty similar. So what I'd recommend is if you are just starting out, then I'd recommend doing the upper lower variation. Whereas this individual, I think he is a bit more experienced, I would recommend doing the push-pull legs upper-lower because I feel like when you've got an upper-lower split, it can leave gaps in your physique because you're, to you're so toast from doing those big main compound lifts that by the time you get them done, you've not got much energy to give towards a smaller muscle group. So if you are more experienced, push-pull legs probably would be a good idea. But like I said, it does come down to enjoyment massively. That's something that you can't neglect the importance of. And the reason why I say when you get more experience, then do the push-pull leg split is if you're just starting out, you're not going to be that fatigued from doing upper because your overall strength isn't that high. Whereas if, let's say, someone ridic let's say someone ridiculously strong goes in and they tries to train upper and they're bent over rowing 200 kilos or 180 or whatever, they are doing a flat press variation with four plates on a bench press, let's say. And then they're doing a big shoulder press and then they're doing like a lat pull down with the full stack. And then they're doing lateral raises with 20 kilos. Like, that's going to be a lot more fatiguing than if you're doing a quarter of that weight. Which means the movements at the end of the session are the quality of them is going to be lower. So that's something to consider. So hope that can answer the question and that helped. So next up, the next question is, should you weigh out your food? The question answer or asker, sorry, asked specifically rice should you weigh it out cooked or raw 
And when it comes to how you should weigh out your food, just keep it consistent. That's what matters most. And the reason being is if, let's say, you're doing it the exact same way every single day, then it doesn't really matter because you're going to be consuming the same amount, if that makes sense. What matters more is, or what, what will matter is if you're changing it. And what I mean by that is like changing the method, weighing it raw one week, weighing it cooked one week, because then it could be potentially a bit off, a bit kind of inaccurate. So I recommend just sticking to the same manner of it. And obviously, like the reason being is if you're cook, if I had to say which one's best, and what I personally do is I weigh out everything raw. The reason being is the duration you're cooking something for and the duration you are maybe letting something soak for is going to influence the weight of it. What I mean by that is rice, for example, how much water you add to your rice is going to influence the cooked weight of your rice. And if you, let's say, cook chicken for longer, it's going to it's gonna like remove the juices further and it's going to be a lower actual weight after cooking it. So I recommend weighing it raw for that reason. And something to also consider as well is if let's say you just for convenience what I do with my chicken and it is still accurate is I will put in I'm just going to say a kilo just for ease of explaining this let's say I put in a kilogram of chicken I cook that in the air fryer at once right then I just know whatever the whatever the cooked weight is if I divide that by 10 that's going to give me 100 grams worth of raw weight if that makes sense after draining the juices so that's how I do it personally it's so much more convenient and so much quicker if you can kind of bulk cook it and then just divide the weight by how much servings you want. So yeah, but whatever whatever's going to allow you to stick to it best and you can keep track of over time's key, obviously. But yeah, I recommend doing it raw if you want to make sure it's as accurate as possible. For example, like during my contest prep, and like every every calorie matters to some extent because of how lean I'm trying to get. If you're just trying to lose a bit of weight or roughly maintain how you are body weight wise you don't you might not even have to track whereas if I'm trying to be super accurate and get all my body fat off as much of it as I can then I'd want to be as accurate as possible so yeah hope you enjoyed the episode thank you very much for watching and if you do have any questions or any other or yet any questions that you want to see in any future Q&A episodes let me know and I'll keep note of all of them for next time I'd like or I go about doing a Q&A I'll probably do these relatively regularly but yeah, thank you very much for watching. If you did enjoy it, then please feel free to show any form of support through subscribing, leaving a rate and review if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, and leaving a comment and liking the video if you're watching on or listening on YouTube. So yeah, hope everyone has a great rest of their day, and I'll see you in the next episode.